calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Content warning, this episode will contain conversations on suicide, sexual violence, and racism. Oh, hey, everybody. Hello. I'm ready to get it done. Jenny, are you ready to get it done? I already got it done. Wow. That's true. We did already get it done. We're just here (laughs) in the introduction of the episode, Get It Done, to tell you a couple of things. First of all, um, even though this is future talk because Storyteller doesn't go up for two weeks, we've already been to Philadelphia and we have taped the episode live. It was so much fun. And this is your reminder that we only have two live shows left in the existence of buffering the Vampire Slayer, uh, the New York City finale is sold out, and I'm going to have some more words on that at the end of this intro. Chicago, we are doing a Dirty Girls weekend. The sun- <laughs> the Sunday live taping is sold out, but Saturday, a night of live music and celebration of our favorite couple on the show, Faith and Buffy. Still has a few (laughs) tickets. So this is truly, if you want to see me and Jenny talking live on a stage about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, (laughs) that's it, man. That's your only chance. So scoop up those tickets while they last. Speaking of scooping things up, (laughs) question mark. Really thought you were going to go with the Buffy Faith angle of it all, but I appreciate that. Mm, no, I'm out. I'm a pioneer, Kristen. Mm-hmm. I'm out here on the cutting edge with mm-hmm. my fingers on the fresh pulse of. Okay, uh, toe pick. I had to say it. You said cutting edge. I. Uh, so many want to know whomst whomst will receive uh, this most recent round of trophies. I disagree. The Sexual Tension Awards for I, first date. I disagree with the winners. I disagree. Interesting. Okay, yeah. well, I can't. I'm, first, I'm going to tell everybody who they are, and then you're going to tell me who you would have preferred. Okay. A relatively even spread this episode in fourth place. It's so hard because I feel like half of this pairing is like 
Yes. And half of this pairing is like, oh, no. Uh, in fourth place, it's Lissa and tying up Xander with 18% of the vote. Mm-hmm. Still pretty a pretty decent chunk of the vote for fourth place. Mm-hmm. Uh, in third place, with 24% of the vote, it's Buffy and Spike. In rude, second place. That's, this is my issue. <laughs> with 26% of the vote. Even though he... Fed her poached brandied pears. I mean, Buffy and Wood, second place. I disagree. I'd like a word with the management. Perhaps it's because one of the components of the winning mm-hmm. slot uh, has ever, has only ever and will only ever appear one on time. Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> one time. Not even appear, but just be mentioned. Uh-huh. In first place, 32% of the vote, it's Zandrew and Scott Bakula. 32% of the 672 total votes went to Zandrew and Scott Bakula. A begrudging uh, congratulations, (laughs) congratulations, begrudgingly, I don't know how to say it, but you know what I mean. I listen, I support this this thruple. It's just I feel that in this episode, they deserved second place. This is called first date and the biggest first date amongst the episode is Buffy and fucking principal would they slay vampires together in an alley and then he feeds her pears so I don't know yeah. what you all are doing but I guess this what is part- more do you want out of a romance <sighs> part of democracy I suppose um anyway Zandrew Scott Bakula look for your stinking trophies in the mail mm-hmm. hey we have a Patreon and it is I don't even know what is happening this summer, but it is like just popping in there. Yellow Jackets is about to begin, as a matter of fact, tomorrow, June 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern is the first group watch. We are watching the premiere of season one of Yellow Jackets together on our Discord. Uh, We will have Yellow Jackets episodes recapping, talking about uh yellow jackets episodes every other friday starting next week and we're doing those watch alongs every other week it's gonna be real fun i'm looking forward to it and buzz buzz (laughs) and um we've already begun this one latoya and i are doing a patreon only podcast called kiss 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 about the television series First Kill about two ladies who like to smooch, but one's a vampire and one is tasked with killing vampires. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Our first episode went up last week with the premiere of the series, and it's eh, Netflix. You know, they love to drop all of them at once, but Latoya and I are going every week-ish, but we're going to let you know every week when we drop an episode when the next episode will drop in case you want to watch in time with those uh, conversations. And then keep your ears out for my recap podcast uh, coming soon of Kristen and Latoya's (laughs) recap podcast of First Kill. My podcast is going to be called Hug, 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 (laughs) dot, 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 me, Latoya, please. (laughs) 
Latoya, please hug me. Um, all of that is untrue except for Jenny's desire for Latoya to hug her. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, we're almost about to get into the episode, but I have something that I want to sort of like send a call out for. And this is what I was talking about, the New York City finale. So the New York City finale, it's two nights, September 17th and 18th at Brooklyn's Bell House. And it's sold out in like one blink of 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 be- 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 Bajox's eye, Botox's eye. <laughs> <laughs> wow it sold out real fast and um we will be we haven't announced the live stream but we will be live streaming it and we'll be announcing live stream details in august so just know that like you absolutely will be able to watch uh both i believe we're streaming both nights in in new york city so here's my proposition to you in the U.S. or abroad although as you get farther and farther away from our time zone this may get trickier and trickier But since we are streaming live, I know that some of you listeners own your own bars or restaurants or maybe even movie theaters. And some of you are really close with people who run community events in your city where they do like movie watches or what have you. So if you know a place in your city that you think would be a very fun place to gather with other buffering fans to gather and watch this live stream then you can go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash chosen and click on the form that says group watch and let us know those details. Okay, we can't do it. We can't manage it or run it because we're trying to do like 50 other things. But we know that like as much as you really want to like see us tape the last episode that actually what you most want is to be together in a space with each other doing that. So we're hoping that some of you want to sort of pick up that torch and run with it in your city. And hey, New York City, you are not excluded from this because New York City is sold out and I am more than certain that there are many places in New York City that would be happy to host something like this. In my perfect world, you would also raise money for a local charity of some kind, maybe some queer rights, maybe some Black Lives Matter movements, maybe some housing equality. Mm. Like, you know what we're about here. So like, perhaps you and your brilliant brain can put together something where people pay a couple of bucks or you pass a bucket around, you all get together, you enjoy this finale, you watch it live in real time, and you raise some, some funds for a really important cause that matters to you. Okay, so... Go over there. You know, you do it. You do it all the time. You're great <laughs> at this shit. Bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash chosen and let us know if you have some big ideas for something you'd like to do in your city. And then we can, you know, trumpet it here in the feed. Indeed. And just one more thing before we get into the episode. Enormous thanks every week, but especially this week, to Mac and Alba, who did a mighty lift with us on producing this week's episode, which Hell yeah. has a lot of heavy elements that re- require a lot of, of uh, thought and consideration. Yeah. Yeah. It was a real, it always is a team effort, but this was a real team effort um, and we would not have been able to do it without them. Indeed. All right. Let's Shall we? get it done. <laughs> Hello, 
And welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one, spoiler free, in tandem with those gals <laughs> that I would love to put on a little shadow puppet show for Angel on Top. <laughs> I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo, ever delighted by the fact that Jenny never prepares what she's going to say about our nemesis at Angel on Top. So I get to watch her eyes get like two times their their width and height, their circumference, their diameter, whatever, mm. uh, while she reaches around to find the mm. moment. It's good. I'm Full of regret for not declaring them the gals I'd love to make some home-baked funnel cake for. <laughs> the girls I'd love to call Scooter. Uh-huh. Uh- <laughs> All right. I'm Kristen Russo, and um, this week we are talking about Season 7 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Episode 15, Get It Done. We are hoping that we do, in fact get this done you should stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by jenny that recaps the buffy episode we are discussing get it done was written and directed by doug petrie and originally aired on february 18th 2003 little petrie squared little little double petrie over here yep petrie by petrie as petrie by petrie This is the one where the Scoobies use a spell to transport Buffy into a shadow world where she meets the men who created the first Slayer. However, in order for her to return home, the gang must find and slay a ferocious demon. This is the IMDb description. This episode is pretty rough. Um, Yeah, this is the one where racism. Yeah, exactly. This is a pretty, this episode is full. It's like, we were like in our brains, we try to sort of have little benchmarks on like, oh, we're really going to need to like talk to the team about this one. And and in my mind, I was so focused on the fact that there was so much racism in this episode uh, pertaining to like the origin of the Slayer myth and the demon that is was sent to Sunnydale as the exchange that I entirely forgot that we also have a potential who commits suicide in this episode. So it is just really coming for us all with mm-hmm. the amount of things that we're going to need to talk about. But I think that like, yes, there are racist things in this. We're going to talk about them. Yes, there's suicide in this and and we will, of course, acknowledge it. But there's also like a lot of colonialist thought. There's a lot of colonialism in the way that this story is told in this episode. And mm-hmm. um, we had you know, like we always have notes from Alba. Um, we had um, some really incredible notes from both Alba and Mac. Uh, so we're going to thread those through our conversation. But the way that Alba described colonialism in her like very shorthand notes just struck me so much because it was like so succinct and so perfect. Uh we're white, we're modern, and we're going to dismiss the way you did things, portray it as, quote, savage, and tell you how to do it better. Which I feel is just a great thing to say at the start of this episode because it is just here with us. It is really the yeah. backbone of this whole ep. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> bringers are killing potentials. We see... The first big demon energy CGI manifestation, which, man, I'm really just so 
I really miss that. My note that. is Jenny's favorite CGI demon exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and now like given what the first is up to these days, I'm like, oh, if only we could get back to simpler times. <laughs> Uh, the first can be any dead person. It's really weird that the first is like, oh, I'm so evil, but I can only be dead people. I don't know if I have already, it feels like something I've said before, but I'm just saying I'm not impressed. It's, it's going to be the lift of someone very special in this listenership who takes all of your impersonations of the first and puts them together for us because they've been good. They've been nothing but good from the start. Thank you. I remember nothing. Okay. Buffy got beat up and then she gave a speech. The first had an assignment for Andrew. Kill the girls. Here's what a potential is, just in case you haven't been watching. And hey, they're all on the way to Sunnydale. And hey, Kennedy needs to be honest about kissing Willow. And Spike has a soul now. That's what's going to stop him from hurting people. Wood is a monster fighter. His mom was a slayer. Buffy isn't ready for Spike to not be here. Spike killed Wood's mom. We see the footage from Fool for Love, which was also written by Doug Petrie. Ooh, that's fun. Of Spike killing Wood's mom and taking her... Leather, Leather duster. duster. Interestingly to me, we see obviously uh, April Whedon portraying Wood's mom in Fool for Love, but we hear the voiceover yeah. from the actress uh, who's now playing her, Katie Aubert. Aub- I've been saying it fancily like Aubert, but I'm not <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, that feels good. <laughs> uh, Okay, and that's what happened previously, previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. On Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, great job, Jenny. You and, you. you and Latoya, you're really like neck and neck with your previously ons in no, the no, no, various no. universes. I was inspired by Latoya. I want to be more like her in all things, obviously. <laughs> uh, so I'm just trying to paint a picture. And also, I think it's good to keep track. I think it's a good sort of like indicator of like the scope of an episode. <laughs> like sometimes yeah. it's just like, here's what's been happening in Buffy and Spike's relationship for the last right. two seasons. Right. And then sometimes it's like, here's like more characters than you can keep track of. Remember a couple episodes ago when it was like, don't forget, Riley, remember the initiative? <laughs> remember, <laughs> we, remember Amy? And we were like, what the fuck is happening? I'm glad you brought up the initiative, Kristen, not just because it gives me the opportunity to think about Riley, but also because there's something in this episode that uh, relates to the initiative. I'll tell you about it when we get there. Oh, I can't wait to find out. Is it tin mm-hmm. Was there tinfoil on the counter of the summer's kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> Did someone use a floppy disk? Um, no. <laughs> so we begin the episode in a dream, but we don't know we're in a dream until we get to the credits. Um, basically, we see. Buffy sort of checking in on all of the slumbering potentials, and they are everywhere, folks. Literally, this house is lousy with potentials. Literally. There's now, Jenny, I don't know if you made such a big deal about the fact that Giles never bought a fucking book helping him translate into Chow An's language uh, because you knew there would be a stack of language books on the desk, none of which were. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. We have Spanish, Greek, German, and Norwegian were the ones I caught on that desk. Uh, mm. No no Sumerian, no Swahili, no Cantonese. That literally not none of the three languages relevant to our interests are on this table, but whatever. 
even in Buffy's dream, Willow and Kennedy are spooning. Well, they're not spooning. They are spooning, but they're two spoons faced towards each other. Spoons, sp- spoons facing spoons. That is not spooning. <laughs> spooning, you have to be facing the same way uh-huh. so you can... S- but can't stack like spoons. What if you are spooning, but then one spoon rolls over to face the other spoon? This no? is not it's no. Not. Uh, okay. Dear listenership, please write into bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com with your proposal for what it's called when you have two spoons that are facing each other. Salad Thank tonging. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because they're all face, they're both facing it. Okay. Um, anyway, we go to the hallway and in Buffy's dream, and Chloe is crying in the corner. And Buffy's like, oh no, Chloe, are you okay? And before she can really uh, have any kind of exchange with Chloe, Senea is here and tackles. Hey, hey Senea. Uh, she tackles her. Kerthunk, kerthunk, kerthunk. They go to the bottom of the stairs and Senea. Always here to deliver news that Buffy does not want to hear, notably, says, it's not enough. Credits. I am always happy to see Sinea. I am too, although the writers really do not want us to be because they constantly are bringing her to us for only reasons that bum us out and bum everyone Every detail of the episode to the side. I'm thrilled to see her. uh, You know... This may not be a message that anybody wants to hear, but it certainly is a message that they need to hear. It's true. Wouldn't it have been so amazing to hear Senea tell her own story? Like, wouldn't that have been just great if Senea was the one who, like, spoke about her origin story? That would have rocked. That would have been cool. Although, you know. Uh, well, uh, I'm sure they would have found a way to make it not rock. I mean, yeah. But... Like, at the end of the day, we have a, a white writer's room. So it's probably better they didn't do that anyway. But um, it just would. There are so many ways in which this episode and the stories told in this episode could be done in ways that would be really incredible. In, like, And the thing that is most on my brain with that is this tale of Wood and his mom and Spike that, like, there was such a beautiful, powerful, drama-laden story to be told here. But instead, it's like, it just feels so simplified and like villainized. And it's it's just, mm-hmm. I'm bummed out about it. But for now, let's go to an alley. Oh, we're, we're going to have fun in this alley. Don't you worry. Don't you worry one bit. Anya says that she's a bright girl with a good education. I've only seen her go to Sunnydale High School. Well, she got and an education in from a Scandinavian hut full of rabbits. <laughs> but 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 to is she a, at, is she a student of life from being alive for a thousand years? Yeah, yeah. She, I guess I she mean, does get very political during what the Russian Revolution. Yeah, she's involved in in wars, and um, you know she's taken many lovers. So I'm sure she's uh, I'm sure she knows a lot about life. She and Spike are collaboratively bemoaning mortality. Ugh, disgusting. As much as this scene like uh, sort of ends with Spike sort of saving Anya, well, like sort of saving Anya from this demon who is, you know, yet another one of Dehoffrin's minions trying to kill her. I can't believe that Dehoffrin is still up to this shit. Dude, the world is like fully ending, okay? Like, don't you have better shit to do than still be after Mm. Anya? But all that to say, 
even though this is how the scene ends and we're going to talk about the scene, I think that these two definitely bone, right? Like they still go home and bone. One would hope and dream. I believe it in my bones. <laughs> so let's talk about the scene. Um, hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Anya, very relatable content saying how being human, oh, you're always icky on the inside and disgusting on the outside. Um, yes, correct. Spike, kind of kicking things off here. Your outside's not so bad. Um, yeah. Then hmm. Anya takes the bait, and then Spike is like, to slow your roll. Spike's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's still a very fun little flirtatious exchange between them where she's like, I was just wondering, like, if Sp- is Spike asking me out on a date? Uh, Spike saying, I'm just out for the alcohol. Anya saying, right there with you, Scooter. 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 Scooter? Scooter. Spike is many things, but Scooter is not one of them. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Um, And then Anya's trying to play around with this, like, I'm going to drink you under the table, but then I can join you there, which is when Spike is like, oh, you're like a dog with a bone, and it's my bone. Um, (laughs) This is a nicely, I I, I thought this scene was written very, very well. It's a nice, nice, tight, little fun scene. Uh, where Anya explains that she's just horny as fuck, okay? Let a girl be horny, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, um, and I agree with you, Anya. Let a girl be horny. And then um, Spike is so thankful because a demon interrupts them. <laughs> he sort of like hits the demon and then takes Anya away rather than like killing the demon, which is critical yep. to the rest of the episode because it is uh, referenced many times. Why? Jenny has Italian hand right now for everyone who can't see her. Why take back alleys to the bar? Mm -hmm. Why is everyone always... I don't think there are many roads in Sunnydale. I mean, I think there's just like the one main strip and then all alleys. (laughs) Mm. Right, 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 right. The, The city of Sunnydale is actually a square... And the square, each side of the square has outward facing homes and businesses. Yes. And then in the middle, it's just like a Sunday newspaper activity time maze. Yes, with alleys. Of alleys. Well, okay. or it's like, or it's like, so I just recently learned that um, even numbered highways go east to west and odd numbered highways go north to south. Did you know this? It looks like you didn't. It was really an amazing moment for me when I learned that. Wow. I know. Makes a lot of sense. It does and it all checks out. Um, But maybe it's like in Sunnydale, if it's a proper road, it goes like north to south, but the only things that go east to west are the alleys. You know, like maybe there are just certain times when you have to take the alleys. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, um, we go next to uh, another pretty flirtatious scene, if I do say so myself, between Wood and Buffy. We're at the school and we have Wood and Buffy and two cafeteria chuckleheads. <laughs> yeah. Principal Wood calls Buffy Buffy in front of these students instead of like Miss Summers. Summers. Uh, seems weird. Rumor around the high school water cooler is that Principal Wood and Buffy went on a date. Now he's calling her by oh, her first name. My God. Wood calls himself a cool and sexy vampire fighting guy. I say, 
Spot the lie. Yeah, yeah. No lies detected. Um, mm-hmm. And he's sort of like, there's been an increase in fights and vandalism. There's three students missing. It's started, hasn't it? Buffy is like, yes, the Hellmouth. Another great line you just want to chew on, at least if you're me. The Hellmouth has begun its semi-annual percolation. It usually yeah. blows around May, which, of course, is usually when the seasons are ending. <laughs> Buffy yeah. the Vampire Slayer. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, ah, uh, Wood gives Buffy his mom's emergency Slayer kit, which he actually just totally kept illegally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Supposed yeah, to yeah. Go he to definitely all was not supposed to be hanging on to that. Yeah, but apparently uh, his watcher let him get away with that, and so he brings it and gives it to Buffy. And it, yeah, it's very nice. I thought I thought this was very nice. Like I'm, all, I'm a big fan of like history and like you know this like feels like a moment of like reconciliation or like I don't know just like emotional processing for wood and it's nice uh and then he says that Buffy should say thank you principal wood which is when I declare this scene gets horny just like the one that came Mm. Buffy literally looks at him and goes thank you principal wood come on now yeah yeah And then he wants to know where Buffy works. And he does not mean this desk where she sits. He means... And keeps her pencils. Yes, he wants to see uh, the Summer's HQ. So we go to the Summer's house. Buffy says, check out all these sleeping bags. They're everywhere. Check out all these pillows. (laughs) (laughs) The the house is just littered with bedding. It is. And... (laughs) There's one thing that's littering the house that's not bedding, and it's Andrew wearing an apron and some oven mitts who uh, sweeps into the room saying, where the hell have you been? This funnel cake is kicking my ass. Don't you actually have to make funnel cake in oil that's like deep enough for it to fry? Yeah. Yeah. I just don't imagine Joyce Summers being the kind of lady who had the things needed to make a funnel cake, you know? Like, I think Andrew had to go source these materials along with his big board. (laughs) Also, the implication, where the hell have you been? This funnel cake is kicking my ass, suggests that Andrew has some kind of reasonable expectation that Buffy will be his ally in any funnel cake centric mission yeah andrew looking cute in his apron and his little mitts i will give him that he does. uh he says so Buffy <laughs> explains to wood that andrew's i guess our hostage to which andrew is like i like to think of myself as a guestage <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like you're just bringing everybody into our secret headquarters it's not going to be a secret anymore they'll see the big board and buffy's like we don't fucking have a big board you weirdo and he's like that's what you think contrary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is an impressive big board he's made. I mean, honestly, having seen sketches from many characters in the Buffy verse, I think that Andrew is kind of on top. His, his sketches are are better than Giles is, and over at Angel, uh, their Fred sketches are very similar to <laughs> in quality to Giles's. I think Andrew is um Perhaps one of the better drawers. Not, of course, yeah. to be compared to Angel himself, who is clearly the best uh, <laughs> best artist among uh, all of the scoops. I like I like a, a vampire-based universe where there is like one to two clear good artists versus 
the Vampire Diaries universe where every time you meet a new character, one of the character traits that you learn about them is that they're an artist. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then until until like uh, enough time has passed that that character has like other traits, then that that character like doesn't do art anymore. But don't worry, three other characters that do do art have been introduced since. Ah, yes, the classic artist rite of passage that we all go through. Um, uh huh. Weird. Um. All right. So scene ends with a little zinger joke from Andrew. Where do we put our receipts? <laughs> he would like to be reimbursed for his creation yeah. of the big board. How do you yes. get out of the house to buy anything? Is my question. I think maybe it, he had a supervised <laughs> supervised run. CVS outing. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, and then we go outside where we've got camp potential. Summer's camp, as we learned, we should have been calling it a few episodes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, here's the thing. I like Kennedy. However, I'm not a huge fan of Drill Sergeant Kennedy, especially because, no offense, everyone, but everybody's looking not particularly strong. No. And if Kennedy was calling people maggots and it was getting results, I would be here for it. But everybody's form looking pretty sloppy. Although, when Chloe does push-ups... Uh, from what I recall, they looked great. Uh, yeah. But looking at like, there's one part where they're all frozen with their like fists down in front of them, and they there's a conversation going on with like Wood and and, and uh, Willow and Buffy. But you keep seeing uh, Amanda's tiny little teeny tiny little fists in the frame. <gasps> they're so small, <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know. I I feel yeah. like I. This is, could feel more intimidated by these chosen women. I like the idea of Kennedy because like we've established that like Kennedy is the oldest among them, probably like probably was next in line in insofar as slayers go. Uh, so I'm not like upset about the idea because she, and she is very take charge. So it all checks out mm-hmm. except for the fact that like, it felt like it needed a little humor, this scene, this delivery. Yeah. Like that, like she was saying these things, but also like joking with the girls at the same time that it wasn't like actually literal. And and we yeah, don't get But we that. only get her joking with Buffy, which just feeds into the like the feeling that like she uh doesn't feel like one of the potentials yeah. or something. And she isn't you treated know? as one of the potentials. And this episode really, like, really kind of, I don't know, seals that in because Kennedy is with us as one of the gang for, like, all of these pretty big deal scenes, whereas the other potentials are not there. So it is, it, yeah, I, I'm not sure that... Even I- later, even later when Buffy's doing her <laughs> I suck speech, yeah. uh, when Kennedy tells Buffy that she's out of line she doesn't say it's fucked up for you to be talking to all of us like this she just says mm, to them you're wrong Willow is more powerful than you right like, there's just like there's uh, obviously there's like a per- uh, interpersonal relationship that's going on there that's like changing the dynamic but um, it's curious to see her not uh, being more vocal in defense of the other potentials. Yeah. And I can't remember how this plays out over the season, but I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. Um, But I agree. I mean, where this goes with Kennedy then being told by the first that her telling Chloe to do 20 push-ups Oof. was uh, par-, par for the course of uh, Chloe's death is 
insanity and really unfortunate. But like, if yeah. that were not to be on the table, I agree with you. I think, I think, and I think this could have been done in a way that allowed for both, that allowed for Kennedy to feel solidarity with the other potentials, to be having a good time yeah. with them, to be the one in charge, but also to be doing yeah. it. Yeah, like it all could have been there. It's just the way they, the delivery is lacking a bit. Um, I do love her line read uh, when she clocks Wood and says, Hi, who the hell are you? Yeah. <laughs> it's like really nice. Um, I love that uh, Kennedy's like, do they? Do my girls look like they can kick the first ass? And Wood's like, I'm not sure that the first has an ass. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, Amanda having a, such a relatable moment of when you see your teacher or your principal, but they're not in school and you're not in school and you're like, this is weird. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Very yes. cute. Um, and then... Buffy gives a gives a sort of nod to like, yeah, you're right. It's not enough. Like, this isn't enough. We know it's not enough. We just don't know what the fuck else to do. And then out comes Willow. Oh, Willow. So good at lying all the time. Uh, she panics, sees Wood, and says... Oh, hi. Hey. Well, Buffy, I, I see that our preparation for the school pep dance cheer drill contest are... Are coming along? Bring it on! Yes, do bring it bring on. Bring it on. Do love that. I mean, like Allison Hannigan almost looks into camera saying this line. Like, like, <laughs> like literally almost winks directly at us when she says bring it on. Um, but then Buffy lets Willow know she doesn't have to lie. She's like, thank God, because I had nothing for the weapons. I had no lie for that. Willow says she had no explanation ready for the crossbows. Uh, how about a renaissance fair, since she's usually dressed like she just came from one? That's true. That's true. Or yar- what do you call it? LARPing? They could be LARPing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Were you going to call it YARPing? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Definitely my mind went to YARP and said, that's not right. That's close, but mm-hmm. it's not right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so this scene, (laughs) Wood says to Willow, Buffy tells me you've been experimenting, to which Willow is like, And then he does this. (laughs) Jenny is making a scissoring uh, gesture with her two hands, uh, for those of you who cannot see her. Uh, Willow leaves and on her way back into the house says, so much cooler than Snyder. <laughs> I mean, that bar is on the ground, my dude. It, it really is. Um, the only thing that I wanted to talk about in this scene is that there's a line after Willow goes inside, Buffy's sort of explaining to Wood why, why she's feeling like they're the, like this is pointless. And she says something like, we've got a bunch of fighters who have nothing to hit. A Wicca who won't, uh, and the brains of our operation wears oven mitts. And a Wicca who won't, uh, is a very, very fun line, but it also sounded so much to me like you, <laughs> when you're tired, you take a Napa. You don't move oh, to Napa. Don't bring that into hey, my podcast. I will bring Sex and the City into this podcast when I'm talking about the television show, which, although has taken a steady plummet in, in since its inception was something at that time um uh-huh. but i but that line is such a such a massive sex in the city line and it was uh on an episode called i heart new york which aired february 10th 2002 a whole year before mr petrie wrote a wicca who won't uh, i posit that perhaps he was inspired by the delicious mm. sounding you don't 
<laughs> you take a Napa, you don't oh, move to Napa. Because a Wicca who won't sounds like it. Uh, uh, curious that Buffy is referring to Andrew as the brains of I the know. operation. <laughs> that was really just to make the joke. Uh and then Wood's like, show me the vampire. And it's like, dude, you already met the vampire. Why do you want to be shown him? Yeah, and this is what I, I mean, hate. We know why, but it's weird. It's weird. And the way Wood acts is weird. The way Wood is written to act in this scene is absolutely out of character. This is a guy who pretended to be a school principal for 15, 14 episodes. Flawless, almost flawlessly. Like... The, f- the idea that Wood would not be able to show up in this house and act normal while gathering information on Spike is completely unfounded and only exists to set Wood up as the villainous one, the sneaky one. It's like the dude is just trying to figure out if the fucking vampire in this household is the one who killed his fucking mom. You don't have to make it creepy. Why are they why are they making it creepy? Because they wanted to just like have all as much problematic shit in one episode as possible. <laughs> Is that the answer? Well, I think that as it's been pointed out by many people, Mac included, mm-hmm. on paper, <laughs> on paper in a show about a vampire slayer, <laughs> you would think that um, the the person we'd given the choice between a man whose mother was a slayer and who was killed by a vampire or a vampire we would just you know if that's all the information you had you'd be like clearly the son of the vampire slayer is the good guy and the vampire is the bad guy and obviously we've seen spike do a lot of things some good things and a lot of really bad things Mm -hmm. uh so i think that I think it feels like the show feels like it has to really go hard on making Wood feel extra, extra, extra untrustworthy and and shifty and stuff. Because, like, on paper, his motives are in line with what we think, you know, the thesis statement of the show is. Yeah, I just... Good guys fight evil and win. Yeah, and that makes sense. And I guess I just, like, I think that I expect more from this show at this point in terms of being able to give us nuance without being so ham-fisted about it. You know, that, like, we've seen this show give us characters that have many things going on at once without making it like this. And I just am sad because I really feel like damn that wood spike conflict could have been a lot tastier if it wasn't done in this way is is really how i feel um yeah it also i mean it's like it doesn't serve wood's character because he just comes off as like very out of control he comes off as a untrustworthy b sort of like unable to control his emotions when as you said he's been kind of like running a long con to position himself in this fight it just feels it just feels so off the mark yeah. for a guy who's put so much into getting where he is and now he's just like twisting his mustache getting in Spike's face. Yeah, like, and to do Rah. this and to do this to DB Woodside who we also know is fully capable of like not being the m- mustache twisting villain in the corner is also bullshit. Let the man do what he can do. He has a lot of talent and does not need to have like this kind of delivery to communicate the things that we need to have communicated. Yeah, 
even the same dialogue mm-hmm. with a different delivery could have felt a lot subtler. Yeah. Which feels more in line with the character. Right. And that's a directorial thing, too. I mean, I guess it's writing and directorial, but unfortunately, Petrie's on the hook for both in this episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, just don't have him stand. He's like facing the wall in the basement. Like, it's not even lo- like it's just a. they just have made a lot of weird choices and it's a bummer. But um, let's mm-hmm. go to the basement <laughs> just since we've talked about most let's of go. it already. Um, Anya is giving Spike a hard time because she's like, I don't fucking understand what happened. You let this guy go. Like, you, you, why didn't you just kill him? And she, she does say, you fought like such a wimpire, which I do enjoy. <laughs> um, but Spike is trying to explain like it was the safest way. He wasn't sure if he could kill the demon. And if the demon had knocked him out, then it would have been able to kill Anya. And that would have been bad. So it's like mm-hmm. reasonable. Mm-hmm. Spike is just using reason. He, you know, it's like that, this makes sense to me. He also <laughs> refers to himself as the one that beat him off. <laughs> uh, then realizes almost immediately that repelled him might have been a better phrase. <laughs> yeah. So we go deeper into this Spike and Wood stuff where, you know, Spike is like, hey, I'm happy you're here, man. Like, the more good guys we have, the more of us will live. And Wood is like, is that what you are? A good guy? And Spike is... Where where he could have just been like, is that what you are? Yeah. A good guy? Yeah. You know, and it, like, could have given us what we needed without giving us, like, what we don't and, like, what doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then Spike says this thing like, you know, I've never had any complaints. I just killed off whoever complained. And Buffy panics and is like, he's joking. And Spike, and like, I think this is really important too, that like Spike and Wood are both saying the truth, right? That like, no, it's not a lie. Like I was this guy for a really long time. Like my entire history as a vampire, I was this guy until just now. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I'm not that guy. That was the old me. Um, And he learns that Buffy has told would that he has a soul and I think justifiably is kind of like that was really private like that was a really big deal for me and like I you know he doesn't say all of this but I feel like what's packaged in this one little line from Spike is like I would have appreciated you like letting me at least know that you were going to tell this person about this big thing that I've done and you know not that I would have said no but you know what could have been cool he has a fun, a fun little one-off where he's like, "Now I'm unique." Well, more or less, more we see less. we see a little like thought bubble above his head with Angel just like unbuttoning his shirt. <laughs> and Dallas, I should say, or no, Angel, Angel. I was right the first time. Um, so anyway, the, you know, we've talked about like the the shittiness of this, but um, it's just it's just a it's just a bummer. It could have been so much better. Ah. Yeah. To Dawn's room. I don't even know if we can call it Dawn's room anymore. Is any is any room anyone's room in this house except for I don't think so. But I think Buffy has gotten the ability to keep her room to herself. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh. Dawn's been examining Robin's mom's emergency bag. Mm-hmm. There's uh, a big ch- book and a big box. Big book, big box. So we're like, okay, cool. We know what this episode's going to be about. It's going to be about like uh, exploring what's inside of this kit that like we haven't had for seven seasons. How fascinating! Can't wait to find out what's inside right, of right. this box. And Dawn's trolling Buffy, uh, telling her that she's flunking out or that she's paying someone to do her homework, and she's like so delighted with how the reactions she's getting out of Buffy. 
And then uh, they're walking together and Buffy opens the door and, oh, God. This is horrible. This yeah, is this is pretty horrific. Really uh, horrible. Chloe has uh, died by suicide. Yeah, Chloe has hung herself, and um, we the the I will say that the the setup of the reveal is is done powerfully. I don't want this to have happened, but it is like truly just this like joyful light moment right before the bathroom door is opened, and it's very effective in like making the viewer like feel the impact that Buffy and Dawn are feeling in like that moment of of seeing this. And yeah. It's awful. And like, I, I think that it, it should not go without being said that like just last episode, we had Alba do a segment where she talked about like forest and like the treatment of forest's body. And then last episode, Lissa and the treatment of Lissa's body. And so like, this is another character of color whose body is shown for a really long time in a really awful way. Like usually, and not that like, you know, unfortunately on television, this is not an uncommon scene, but I feel like every other memory I have of seeing somebody walk in on this, the first thing that happens is they run to that person and lift their body. Like, you know what I mean? Like it just feels like every, every scene that I have thought of that feels like the first instinct of, of someone is to do this and not that that's the right move but it just it just doesn't happen and so we have this whole scene play out um with chloe still up there and it's called out at the end because buffy is like hey don where's that i t- you know can, can we get that knife it's like really rough and really not not good i think that this is uh a horrific choice for a number of reasons mm-hmm. um but something that it does allow for uh which really you know goes the extra mile in horrifying us is it gives us this chloe and chloe the first Mm -hmm. side by side Mm -hmm. and i was really on this watch i was really impressed with lilane who yeah as chloe is like you know chloe is like very young and like very mousy and like kind of feels like the like kid sister in that kind of like mm-hmm. um she's not in some of the episodes that you know Amanda and Rona and um Vi are in mm-hmm. she, she seems to be kind of like sidelined and i was wondering on this watch like oh is she, is the actor is Elaine busy or are they just like not are they feeling like the character's not like really working cuz she kind of has this like proto dawn Right, quality where right. you're sort of like you're you don't feel like the rest of the show you know what mm-hmm. i mean but i think that she does a really nice job here being evil being she, the first i think she's the best first we've seen to be quite frank i right i really do oh, not not eve <laughs> not eve eve i mean listen eve had her own shit going on like you know warren's been okay we've seen a lot of but th- this is am- like Lelaine is amazing as the first. I just feel like her delivery and her like sarcasm and her manipulation are just so on point. And I I agree. It's like when you see her do this, it's like, oh, fuck, I, I wish that I wish that Lelaine had been given more um, to do. She also does a great job of of going from like the hard end of the spectrum of feeling extremely young to feeling yeah. ancient. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I think, I mean, I think that the character of Chloe was always intended to give us the devastation of what was ahead because it, they've made such a point, even though she hasn't been around at how young she is. She's the one that's like, I'm I, like, she says it in the beginning that she's so young. And yeah. Um, and we get this in the, because, because what we haven't said is that then of course a handful of the potentials come around the corner and also bear witness to this and are horrified and so upset clearly. Um, and we get this exchange about how much, Chloe loved Winnie the Pooh because as Chloe the first zaps out, she says TTFN, which is Tigger's ta-ta for now. And Rona explains what that is to Buffy. How does Buffy not know TTFN? Come on. Um, But Rona explains this and Amanda says she loved Winnie the Pooh. You know, and it's just, it's really there to give us the gravity of the situation and i and i do understand that choice in terms of like giving us a young potential um seeing her die i don't think that it had to be this way and i definitely don't think that it should have been portrayed like this because especially we haven't even gotten to what comes after but like um i do think that you know having one of the younger potentials die is a very effective way of of showing us just how serious this situation is but this this yeah. was not this was not the way uh, I think we already mentioned this, but important to note that Chloe the first is needling Kennedy about yeah. calling Chloe a maggot. That it's so chilling when <laughs> when Chloe the first says, "Oh, we just talked all night." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it and it's like you know the the idea that the first exists to manipulate you into believing the worst things about both yourself and the world. Um, as a means of destroying you because because then the first will make you destroy yourself is terrifying. And there probably mm-hmm. couldn't be a more vulnerable group of people than this group of young girls who have been pulled out of their homes with very little explanation. Many, I mean, some of them, we know at least some of them don't even speak English that like they are, they are isolated and they are afraid and they are so easily made vulnerable in this situation that like... I don't know what could have been done differently, but it should have never been that any of them could be in private conversation with anyone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the answer is, but like, it should not be allowable or permissible. There should be some security system here where you know that a potential, like they should have a buddy system. That's what it should be. The potentials need a fucking mm. buddy system so mm. that, what you know, cause you can't manipulate two people at the same time. Uh, so, so uh, Eve kind of did. Did she? Oh, I guess Eve manipulated everyone at the same time. Yeah. God damn it. Okay. Well, I know. I have a practical question. <laughs> yeah. As we as we move, I as hope we that I have a way. long answer for it. I hope that it is the okay. question that I prepared an answer for. Uh, the question that I have that I hope you prepared an answer for is: Is Buffy burying these girls in the yard? She's out there burying Chloe, and then later references that Annabelle is also buried there. What happened to Eve? <laughs> what are the... And shouldn't... A, 
shouldn't their I don't know parents or the authorities or something <laughs> something I guess there's for, like no good explanation like truly like, like Bubby's just making a pet cemetery in the fucking backyard and it's like yeah fucking what could weird. go wrong yeah it's not it's not cool it, it is very bizarre Jenny I thought the question you were going to ask me was so the first can just record audio inside of itself and play it out because that as serious as that as this scene was, I fucking lost it at that shit that like Chloe. So Chloe basically is like, oh, you think that you're all going to be here? Is that really what you think? Because I thought and then she like opens her mouth and out comes an actual recording of Buffy saying uh, they're they're not all going to make it. Some will die and there's nothing I can do that will stop it. And can the first only replay the voice audio of people who have died? (laughs) No, because Buffy's alive. (laughs) No, but the first appears as Buffy because Buffy died. Oh, right. Fucking, of course. How did I forget? Yes. Good good question. Great question. Um, Too many questions, not enough answers this episode. This straight up reminded me of um, a device called the Talkboy. Do you remember the Talkboy, Jenny? It was... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and I learned... So I looked it up because I couldn't remember it was called a Talkboy. But basically, I was like, what was that device that you could like talk into and then play it back? And the 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 popularized thing, by home alone too home alone i got one too. for christmas one year yes do you know do you know that it really was like not only popularized by home alone too but this is what i learned so i looked up the talk boy and the the john hughes requested this prop be built for the movie a device that could do this thing so that Macaulay Culkin's character can like play the voice, like he's like playing the voice of the thing back to the thing, right? It's like, that's what he's using it for. Oh yeah. So, but but I thought like the talk boy existed and John Hughes or whoever was like, oh, we should have, we should work that into the script. But actually it was just created because John Hughes was like, we need this device that can do this thing. And so um, the talk boy was made for Home Alone 2 and it wow. was, yes. And so Tiger designed and built the prop and then was given permission by the studio to sell a retail version. So they released two cassette recorders modeled after the film prop in 92 and 93. The original model didn't have the variable speed voice uh, changer (laughs) that the film had and sold moderately. But in 93, they released the deluxe model, which had that voice changing feature, and they sold a butt ton of them. 1993, holiday shopping season. These devices sold out in stores across the U.S. They are hot, hot, hot. And just in case you're worried that the patriarchy didn't get involved in 1995, Tiger released a pink version called Talk Girl. Oh, my God. (laughs) Talk talk boy for women. Talk boy. Thank God. Talk boy for her. The patriarchy. Um, anyway, so I know no one expected a deep dive on Talk Boy, but hey, a few episodes ago, you didn't expect a deep dive on Snossages, so that's why you show <laughs> up, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, right outside, we talked about this, Buffy is digging a grave, and inside, all of the girls are traumatized. Okay? They're grieving. They are They're devastated. Upset. And here comes Buffy in her chunky turtleneck to say some truly awful things. This is horrible. She says, does anyone want to say a few words about Chloe? Here, let me. 
Chloe was an idiot. Chloe was stupid. She was weak. Do what she did, and I will find room for you next to her and Annabelle. What the motherfucking fuck? The reaction shot, I think the first reaction shot we see is Rona and... Yeah, it is, because... I love you, Rona. I identify deeply with Rona's face. The right thing. Yes. Making the right face. Yeah, this is, this is, uh, this is bad. This is, uh. I mean, in in Max notes, she was like, I don't think this would make air today. Like, I I don't, like, it is definitely not. Oh my God. This would never be played on television today because this is. I mean, first of all, like b- textbook fucking victim blaming. Uh, and second of all, it's just like this because I've had a lot of like I have tried to have room for Buffy processing her own trauma and it coming out in ways that aren't great. Right. Like, I think that we've established that we have some room for this, but this is wildly out of control. And I do not believe that Willow or Xander would stand by and allow her to keep talking. Um, and, and like Willow defends her. Xander does what I would expect Xander to do and we'll get there, but like Xander's trying. And I think he's like doing a pretty good job of keeping a level head and just trying to like, access a logic point willow is clearly defending buffy because of her own internal guilt about not feeling like she can safely use magic to be helpful right 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 but this is this is bad and um you know buffy's just sort of like uh she's taking a hard turn this is I just like want everybody to sort of like write in their shanshu prophecies because this this is an important <laughs> shift that we are witnessing here. We have seen Buffy feel yeah. superior and and go too far um because she, she feels She got a taste of giving her little speeches. Yeah. But it's a slippery slope, my friend. It really is. She's sliding down a fucking hill and she's talking about she's the one with the power and the first has me using that to dig our graves. I've been carrying you too far too long. The ride's over. Um and Oh, Buffy. Yeah. And then she just starts it's also like not even ju- not that there would be room for this if it was just like this impulse, like punching the air situation. But it so clearly isn't because then she continues to dig in to everyone in the room. She goes at Anya. Why are you here? You're here because you're scared. So fine. But be useful. Um, well, and- <laughs> in her defense, <laughs> the way that we get there is that Xander is like, uh, you know, in his attempt to bring Buffy back over to away from the edge. Yeah. Uh, is like, hey, don't forget we're all friends. And Anya's like, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's true. That's true. Anya does say that. Um, but yeah, and that that actually makes Willow take a step back because Willow is like, Buffy, you at least know that everyone here is doing everything they can. I would like to add an addendum, which is that Andrew is definitely just making funnel cakes, but everyone except for Andrew in this I mean, household. <laughs> we haven't really seen proof that he can do more than make funnel cakes. <laughs> that's true, that's true. He did make a big board. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. 
but yeah, and then she goes and then she goes for Spike. He's going to leave and she says, "Take a cell phone. That way if I need someone to get weepy or wailed on, I can call you." Boom, roasted. Yeah, I mean, it's really it's like a middle school taunt that she uses at Spike. It's like, "I'm rubber and you're glue. So good luck out there, stupid head." Like I feel like that's like the the like uh, It seems Particular. I think it's pretty nuanced and brutal, personally. Yeah, I, I guess think so. I he know. went to a lot of trouble. Yeah, to become who he is. Yeah, and the side effect of that apparently uh, is that he is not as good of a fighter as he once was. But yeah. you know, no, you're right. You're imagine right. saying this to someone who you like had a thing with, and then who like went to great lengths to change. Uh, to become closer to someone you might be able to love wholeheartedly and then <laughs> saying this to them. Yeah, you were a better fighter before you got your soul. What I want is the spike that's dangerous. Yeesh. Hee-hee-heesh, Buffy. Um, I can see how that, sp- that spike would be more useful right yeah. now, but there, it, there's a fine line between motivational speaking... And just, like, uh, absolute brutality. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, And I think, like, back to when Xander interjects, because I think there's, like, a little important nugget here. He says, you're kind of our leader. Like, that is kind of what you are. And Buffy counters that by saying, from now on, you just do what I say. And I think that, like, it's not teased out here in this scene but like I just want us to all like start to walk into these final uh what do we have seven episodes uh, left with this idea of like what does it mean to be a leader because it's not wrong to have somebody who can lead a charge but what does it mean to lead and clearly we know right out of the gates it does not mean you do whatever I say and you don't ask any questions about it. There's a lot more nuance that needs to be, you know, pulled out of what what does it mean to be a leader. But I just feel like this is really, we're really getting into it now. And Buffy is really, really leading in a way that is very dangerous um, as of this monologue. <laughs> For the listener at home, Jenny is holding her forehead, shaking it, and in, in just sort of like, I don't know, exhaustion, maybe. <laughs> yeah. People need to get it together. They, need to, they do. They really do. Um, okay. So the potentials are sent upstairs. Spike leaves. And uh, Buffy is ready to break out the emergency kit because she is declaring an emergency. It's time. Send the potentials away. Let's bring it down to Wood, Don, Anya, Xander, Buffy, Spike, and Kennedy. Yeah. A good a good group, really. A good good crew. Good crew. Um, Buffy thought that Wood would want to be there because this was his mom's bag that he gave to her, which is nice. Um Thoughtful. <laughs> Xander's like, it's puppets. The first hates puppets. We just need Kermit and Miss Piggy and and Willow goes, those are Muppets. <laughs> Uh, an important distinction. I did. I was like, wait, what is the difference between a Muppet and a puppet? And I uncovered like memes aplenty about this conversation. Uh, 
Kermit was on the Seth Meyers show, I believe, and and was asked the answer to this question. And he said, puppets are controlled by humans, but I'm a talking frog. Uh, that was that was Kermit's answer to the distinction between a Muppet and a puppet. Um, the origin of the word Muppet is sort of a uh, combination of marionette and puppet, um, but, but like just for fun, like it, there, because then I was like, so what's the difference between a marionette and a puppet? And every answer was just like, there are many kinds of puppets. One is a marionette. One is a finger puppet. One is a this and one is a that. So it's sort of puppet is the. Oh, so it's like a, it's like a whiskey bourbon rye yes, kind of thing. Precisely. <laughs> all, all marionettes are puppets, but, but only not some all puppets, puppets are, are marionettes. marionettes. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. But I just uh, I fell down a rabbit hole completely unexpectedly because apparently it's been a joke for years about like the difference between a puppet and a muppet. Um. Anyway, and I'm sure that the nerds in the room knew this when they wrote Willow's line of like those are actually muppets. Um. Once they start taking the pieces mm-hmm. out and we're getting a look at them. They look really cool. Yeah. And though stylistically very different, they made me think of basically the only art that I've I've seen that like would be maybe like in this same uh subgenre or whatever category, mm-hmm. uh, which is Kara Walker's shadows or silhouettes. Um, which is like one uh segment, I guess, of her work. She also does she did a like a large scale sculpture like a sugar sculpture of a sphinx oh. uh the old domino factory in, in brooklyn in New York. A long yeah time yeah ago. oh that was i yeah, remember yeah. that yeah that was incredible uh, but her she has uh some shadow stuff on display or did um at the brooklyn museum uh that's like really striking mm-hmm. um which once i realized that connection i was like oh what's up with this like art form like where does it come from um this was just a very quick wikiing, and I'm actually hoping that our wonderful listenership is full of uh, people who know a lot about this and can share what they know. But I just wanted to toss out like the basics because there's something in here that I think maybe is interesting. Uh, shadow play, also known as shadow puppetry, is an ancient form of storytelling and entertainment which uses flat, articulated, cutout figures, shadow puppets, which are held between a source of light and a translucent screen or scrim scrim is a nice word yeah i love the word scrim too uh the cutout shapes of the puppets sometimes include translucent color or other types of detailing various effects can be achieved by moving both the puppets and the light source a talented puppeteer can make the figures appear to walk dance fight nod and laugh and then here's where uh there might be like an interesting intersection uh with some of the other stuff we're going to be talking about Shadow play is popular in various cultures among both children and adults in many countries around the world. More than 20 countries are known to have shadow show troops. Shadow play is an old tradition and it has a long history in Southeast Asia, especially in Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand, and Cambodia. It has been an ancient art and a living folk tradition in China, India, Iran, and Nepal. Hmm. It also is known in Egypt, Turkey, Syria, Greece, Germany, France, and the United States. So it looks like the only place that I just named that's in Africa is Egypt. Egypt. Yeah. Okay. So I just wanted to, uh, sorry, it just seemed potentially meaningful that like they're all, that like this yeah. other thing is well, being. I think what, I think like what that brings up really is that we're like, this whole episode is just with the broadest and 
pretty r- racist brush uh, possible. It, it's it's just like before civilization like yeah before in hard quotes civilization in hard quotes civilization trust us it do, don't worry don't. about the details it's just old and in far away places where there's people... a lot of sand and also drum beats yeah. and like this is what we know is there's sand and drum beats and also which will we're, i guess we could just talk about now we have these men, these black men who are speaking Swahili, which you wouldn't know if you were watching the subtitles because it just says foreign language. And even the script, I think, says like un uh, like unrecognizable language. Like they Swahili, the first mm-hmm. like written record of Swahili is in the year 1711. Okay. It's not that like this is very much a case of what okay so like before quote civilization we had africa what's an african language how about swahili like the 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 absolute disregard for telling this story responsibly in any way is so it's just so wildly off the mark and racist that it's you know, we could do, there's too much to talk about. We probably, we won't even hit it all because there's just so much in this episode. And so I think that that's what this brings up, right? That there is this history of shadow puppetry that like maybe does intersect with Egypt, which is in Africa, but also there's just, it's just disparate pieces that are really messily pulled in here. And we haven't even gotten to the fucking demon yet. So buckle up. Okay, so the mandate in the book is you can't just watch, you have to see. Yes, which is cool. I, I do like that. Um... There, Yeah, what's, what's interesting <laughs> is that there's a lot of pieces of this that look cool, that feel really uh, interesting. And because of the other choices that are made, like undermining them, it's like kind of a bummer. But but these things, I do want to highlight the things that that I think are really well executed like that like um though i think the progression of putting together the shadow wheel is really beautifully effective looks really good first there is the earth xander puts the first shadow puppet piece into a slot and we immediately get the bum 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 Mm -hmm. bum 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 which we'll see later is uh the staff the the three staffs being beat against the earth which, which I think is such a cool mm-hmm. effect yeah uh to the the second that they're beginning to assemble this they're like the transportation has has begun yes. I think that's really effective yeah I agree uh, and the, even like maybe this is not even we have so much to talk about that maybe it's small but just the way we get into this scene. It's like the it's very not like Buffy. It's the, a black, like totally blacked out a uh, room, and the the lighting of the match is what takes us into this scene. It's really really cool. It's yeah. very well done. So and Jenny, to your point, because like here's some of what we hear as as this is being assembled. Um, first there is the earth, and then there came the demons. After demons, there came men. Men found a girl. There's some there's some problems in, in there. Uh, we could talk about those. But uh, to fight the demons, all demons, they chained her to the earth. Then the puppets are rotating around the frame faster and faster, casting the shadows. Really looks spectacular. Looks great. Uh, 
it's reemphasized that she has to see, uh, but she'll only be able to see if she's willing to make the exchange. And then we get a very classic feeling, amazing two line horror movie special exchange. Yes, yes. Where Xander says, When'd you get so good at Sumerian to Don, who's been translating the Sumerian text? And Don says, It's not in Sumerian anymore. <laughs> That's my shit. Yeah, I love it. That's good. That's really good. Um, so this is a, um, a hard origin story in many ways, and we'll get more of it later. And but I think like the thing that I just want to underline, I already talked about the fact that it would have been really cool if Sinea was here um, in any way, shape or form, because what we get is... You know what? Let me not get ahead of myself because I, I really want to talk about what these three men are saying and how Buffy interacts with it. I'm just going to wait until we get there. For now, there needs to be an exchange. The The portal is opened. Everyone is cast in this like very bright, like dream light. Um, really reminds me of uh, Restless and, you know, the, these uh, original desert scenes that we had where like the light was so bright that people's faces were sort of blown out. Um and Buffy's like, it means I got to go in there. Um, I, I got to go. And they're like, we don't know where the fuck you'd be going or how we would get you back. And she just says, find a way and jumps in. I like this. I It's it's harder to swallow on the heels of yes. the everyone sucks but me speech. Yes. But I do love she immediately knows yes. what she has to do and immediately accepts it and mm-hmm. is just like, yeah. Y'all got to handle this. Yeah. Uh, and then, hey, here's the exchange. Oh. <laughs> Special oh, delivery. So this must be the exchange student, Xander says, which is nice. Uh, I'm just going to read. I'm going to literally read word for word what Mac has written about this demon to, to kick us off. Uh, so so now I am uh, speaking Max words here. So this demon is racist as fuck. He's modeled after orcs from D&D, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, for those of you who might not know what D&D is, uh, a class of character that was not only classed as stupid, their word, not mine, savage and disposable, their illustrations rely heavily on caricature of African tribal members. In 2020, during the uprising in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder, Wizards of the Coast, D&D's parent company, publicly apologized for not having listened to the complaints of black players throughout many years and they changed many of the racist attributes and lore around orcs in following upgrades um i was like so fascinated by this information i am not a DD person i keep saying that no one will teach me thinking someone will teach me but like no one ever's <laughs> ever taught me um <laughs> so i didn't know what orcs even looked like but I, I looked them up and there is a lot of overlap in how this demon looks and how orcs look and um you know this is it's just a super the the word caricature i think is is one that really sticks out to me in what mac has said here because this really is a caricature of like the African, quote, savage. And we know that it has literally been portaled from what is supposed to be broad strokes painted Africa. You know, just like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just bad. It's instead of turtles all the way down, it's just bad turtles all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Willow can't fight it. Wood tries to fight it. Kennedy and Dawn try to fight it. Spike... This is a good move. Spike says, stand aside. 
I'm going to do what I do best, which is get thrown through the ceiling. <laughs> pretty, pretty incredible. This is the second through drywall moment we've had this season. Uh, the first was Spike's arms going through the drywall of the wall to get Andrew. And now his whole body oh, yeah. has gone through the drywall of the ceiling up into the room above. Uh, We're a long way from 1080p HGTV. Yeah, yeah. It's got, it really hits different now in season seven. <laughs> so the demon runs off and Xander and Anya and Willow kind of have this like clash about magic because Willow's like, I, I just have to use magic. And Anya's like, well, what if you can't control it? And Willow's like, well, fucking thanks for your vote of confidence. And Kennedy's like, you guys, we don't even know where Buffy went. <laughs> Cut to <laughs> stereotypical Africa. Uh, which has kind of a high contrast Instagram filter over it. Yeah. Um, Buffy, almost always in a turtleneck in the desert, uh, is <laughs> once again in a turtleneck in the desert. Uh-huh. The book is now blank back at home. All the words I love that. have spilled out. Um, I, I, we didn't see where they went. They could have crawled up Willow's arms. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying. <laughs> We have a precedent for blank books, and usually the words are in Willow. (laughs) Um, Oh, Jenny, you're going to be so excited about this exchange at the top of this scene where Kennedy, Kennedy, first of all, like this is another um, point. I take a point away from Kennedy for this. Just use magic. And like Willow's like, I don't, it's not, you can't just use magic. Like, Uh I, I don't know what to use. And then Kennedy says, (laughs) <laughs> just try all 32 flavors referencing an uh, Ani DeFranco song for all of the lesbians watching at home uh not referencing Baskin Robbins the national ice cream chain uh Baskin Robbins has 31 flavors Jennifer oh, Owen Young's boy. and okay. the uh song the song by Ani DeFranco uh Gave us 32. So that is what our Kennedy is referencing. Wow. Okay. What was the 32nd flavor? It was mm. gay. <laughs> mm. The 32nd flavor was gay. <laughs> um, okay. So Anya, uh, Anya making some very good points here, right? Like, hey, here's the deal. Let's think about our choices. We can risk Willow's life and all of our lives to get Buffy back. Or we could just leave her out there and then she takes it home. If she's so superior, I'm going to add a fuck to it because I know she would have said it if it wasn't for the censors. If she's so fucking superior, let her find her own way back. I stood from my couch and cheered for Anya. Can we please play Anya's jingle? This is good. (laughs) She spent... One millennium, demonically vengeance in, speaks her mind and then some. You know she's partial to the finer things and down with double boyfriends, oh yeah. Exchanging cash for goods and also services. She'd love to hold the money for ya. She'll hold that cash. Just keep the bunnies far from Anya. All right. Uh, I like this little connector to reality where Willow describes how magic works off of physics, principles, basic laws. You got to have conservation of energy. You know, you can't make something from nothing, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh, 
they, so they figure they need to send that demon back through to get Buffy back. Now, I have a question yeah. that looks ahead a little bit. If many slayers before Buffy have gone, you know, if everybody who got the emergency kit went in and got this power at some point. Yeah. But, but Buffy's the first slayer with friends. Who in the past sent the exchange student back to high contrast ancient Africa question mark? Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. How did the how did the demon how was the demon exchanged back for the person? Yeah. Yeah, there's some gaps. There's definitely some gaps. Um I I also want to give a shout to the gentleman playing the demon whose name is Eric Betts, who was born on November 22nd, a very auspicious day upon which to be born, no big deal. What year? Mm, 67. So a few years before But he actually has appeared in 10 Buffy-verse episodes of television as a knight of Byzantium, as a vampire, as a demon. As some other stuff that I'm not going to say because it's still in the future and also notably as agent brown a former initiative agent <laughs> oh that's no where the initiative is coming deal in. wow that's right you know that somebody wrote to us after the flower shop situation that just happened where like buffy was calling the flower shop to because that was the decoy initiative and was like do you think that's a, a like a reference to the fact that uh, Agent Finn was Lilac, like his code name was Lilac. Ooh, uh, right, nice, Pretty good. yeah. I hope um, so. Wow, I can't believe that this actor has been in so many episodes of this television show. That's very cool. Yeah, and he is going to be in an episode of Angel coming up, Ooh. in which he looks pretty intense great cannot wait um so my question is well not even a question i just think it is really fucking ballsy of them to decide that that they can kill this demon like like i just feel like why don't you err on the side of caution and throw him back in alive you know like it just you yeah just point him towards the portal yeah they just, they're just, just very to, oh, just leave a trail of reese's peanut butter cups yeah Directly into the portal. No, Reese's Pieces. Well. Are you talking about E.T.? E.T.'s. No, I'm just talking about a tasty snack. (laughs) I'm talking about what I want somebody to leave a trail of for me to follow. Uh, Spike, looking absolutely horny as hell. Oh, yeah. Has decided this demon's mine, but first there's something I need. He just loved getting beaten up. Uh, yeah. He probably hasn't gotten beaten up like that since he and Buffy were having, like, fight sex. Yeah, it brought him back to 1080p HD, definitely. I mean, 1080 HDTV, excuse me. Oh, my God. 1080p HDTV. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, everyone. I'll be here all night. Um, This is why I'm here, Kristen. Thank God. We each have our areas of... (laughs) Expertise. Speciality. (laughs) So, um... Okay, so Spike is like, I vote we send the demon back dead. Kennedy is like, that demon kicked your ass. And Spike takes it like a gentleman, which I appreciate. He's like, points to the lady. She is correct. That demon did kick my ass. (laughs) I gotta go. 
All right. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I hope it happens again. Yeah. He's like, just going to get my ass ready for one more spanking. Um, <laughs> so we go back to Buffy and we um, meet, we've talked about this already. We kind of got ahead of ourselves, but we meet these three black men who have staffs and who are there to ex- they're there to tell her what they've told many slayers before. And this is really the piece that I think gets to the heart of um, white supremacy. The idea that you're coming in with the knowledge that is the correct knowledge. And there, and this is complicated because clearly there's stuff in this story that is really upsetting. But the but at the end of the day, Buffy enters into this situation believing that what she knows and what she has been taught and what she has learned on earth is superior to what these men are going to tell her. And like there's, they say, we know who you are and why you're here. We've been waiting. We've been here since the beginning. Now we're almost at the end. You're the Hellmouth's last guardian. Whoa. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's just put a little more focus on what are some more like truly heavy hitting lines? Like some of some of the highlights of this episode, these guys have some incredible lines. We have been here since the beginning. Now we are almost at the end. The dawn of the Slayer line. Mm-hmm. The beginning of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV series. Mm-hmm. We are, you know, a handful of episodes away from the series finale. It just feels very... Heavy, and you are the Hellmouth's last guardian. Heavy as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We cannot give you knowledge, only power. Yeah, and to uh, Buffy says, I came to learn, and I would like a word about what it means to come somewhere to learn. It doesn't look necessarily like this, but this is where this dissonance is. The show, the way that the show is telling this story makes it really complicated to talk about some of the like uh, racism and white supremacist ways of thinking in terms of like, I have more knowledge than you. I know better than you. I am more civilized than you because they add on this idea that these men um, forced this demon essence into the Slayer line against the Slayer's will. They are men. The Slayer, Seneo, is a woman. Um, so there's so there's there's this violation right, there. This, yes, exactly. Th- that makes it hard for us to re- to talk about this other really important thing that is happening, which is that Buffy is saying she came there to learn, but she's also not listening to a lot of what they're saying. And you you're like forced to to give her the justification of not listening because of the violation, and and that makes this really messy. But it is not. Just one thing, and there is a lot of there's a lot of fucked up shit here that Buffy does that I think I think that if you were, especially if you were a white person watching this in 2003, you did not see at all. You just saw like, yeah, the woman is standing up to these men for doing this bad thing and didn't see all the other shit that was there, which I think like that's the benefit of us being in the year 2022 and talking about it now because there's a lot happening here. Yeah. Yeah. But don't worry about that 
too much, Kristen, because it's time to get bonked on the head. Yeah, and I, I got ahead of myself. Like, clearly I'm talking about, like, the entirety of the scene. But, yes, Buffy gets yeah, bonked yeah. on the head, um, which, like, she was like, clearly this is a dream. And he was like, actually, no, bonk. Um, <laughs> and we briefly go back to the Summer's house. Yeah, uh, they're making a little sand circle barrier. Willow's like, this portal opening could take days and then she's like taking a deep breath and here's another example of of uh kennedy getting some some nice comedy lines in this app uh willow says i think i'm gonna pee my pants and kennedy uh to show support says you can do it the magics not the pants thing <laughs> uh which i think she delivers beautifully mm-hmm. uh and then willow's like do 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 am i i'm gonna try Magic, magic, magic. <laughs> Literally, it's pretty funny. Like, you better put on some coffee. This could take a while. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so it's fucking on at Summer's HQ. Uh-huh. Then back with Buffy, we've moved to a cave mm-hmm. uh, post bonking. And the men say, we are at the beginning. The source of your strength. The well of the Slayer's power, and they start bonking their staffs on the ground instead of Buffy's head, and we hear the bum, 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 and now we know, oh, where the bum, bum, bum came from when the when the yeah. shadow play started. Yeah, yeah. So her truest strength is the energy of the demon. It's spirit. This is how they created the Slayer. I have a question. Mm. Uh, this might be a metaphysics question, mm-hmm. but it seems like if this is how they made the Slayer then isn't this already, isn't in, this essence already in Buffy? In Buffy, right. That's, so, yeah, that's my question as well. But like, are we to believe, like that's the that's the gap for me is like, because we're to believe that up until Nikki and including Nikki, they had these, they had the ability to shadow cast. They had the ability to be transported. We're not clear on who did the exchange to get them back out, but that they were like imbued imbued i don't think i can say that given the way that the show tells the story but they were non-consensually given this uh demon bit to make them better fighters so then has every slayer since then not been or is this extra demon like does buffy need extra demon because it's the end like what i'm not sure what the answer is power up it's almost as if um (laughs) it's almost as if people are just desperate to get to the end of of this show. (laughs) Something that I do think is interesting amidst all of this chaos is that Buffy has always struggled from day one about the, quote, darkness inside of her. Faith was like, this is the point, dude. We have darkness too. You have to like lean into that darkness to be able to do the thing. So there is some echoing of like bigger themes, I think, in this And this revelation, I just, I cannot for the life of me understand why this is what they chose to make the origin story of the Slayers. What is the point? Is it just to give us another moment of Buffy being like, girls rule and boys drool? Because we don't need that now. We know that. We don't (laughs) need more of this. We know boys drool, We've known boys drool for so long. But it just, Uh, I just don't understand the importance of telling, I I believe that there is not an importance of, of taking us back to 
ancient wherever we are. Clearly, they are saying ancient Africa and and telling us that the way that this happened was full of all kinds of violation and women being chained down. And it just seems so unnecessary and also so racist and just so unfortunate because we didn't need it. Buffy could have still found the source of her power and it could have even been the essence of, of, of a demon. Like that part is, I feel fine about, but it didn't have to be this really, really upsetting story. Uh, and it certainly should particularly disturbing uh, visuals and yeah, yeah. implications. Really, really fucking, really fucking rough stuff. And Sinea is not here. And like that just makes it all the worse for me is that so this happened to the Sinea was the first person. She was there. She was there with these men. Was it a violation of Sinea? 99.9% it was. Yeah. But she's not fucking there. And and she, like, no, the, the, the rest of this story is not here and being told by the, the person that was there when this happened. Like it's it, we don't have the complete story. I feel very upset about it. It's a bummer on all counts. And it's also, as we've said a million times, the telling of it is racist in a lot of ways. Um, But, you know, here, here, oh, oh yeah, there's my note for the visual, my note for the visual that we see with this, like, sort of swirling black demon energy is, this is so fucking fucked up in all caps. I'm just so upset about it. Um, it's really, really upsetting. And she's, you know, Buffy's saying, like, this isn't the way. Uh, Just everybody stop it. Writer's room, you're all grounded. You're all fucking grounded. Indefinitely grounded. Go to your fucking rooms. This is bullshit. Meanwhile. Okay, back (laughs) in the basement, someone else is reuniting with their darkness. Spike Mm. is dusting off his duster. Uh, he goes sweeping through the hallways and Principal Wood being a totally normal chill guy (laughs) is just leaning in a doorway in the high school with all the lights out. And, uh, Kristen, would you like to engage in some, some line reads with me? Sure. Who am I playing? Uh, you'll be (laughs) Principal Wood and I'll be Spike. Okay. Where are you going? Got a job. (laughs) Nice. How's my... That's my accent. So good. I thought it was yeah. James Marsters himself. <laughs> I know. Nice coat. Where'd you get it? New York. <laughs> and then, wait, can I also be the the orchestra that we don't hear? <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you guys, why did you do this to us? This could have been so much better. But yes, this is Nikki's coat. And yes, now Wood knows. Oh, God. (sighs) Okay, over at the Summer's house, Willow's doing her little spell. She's got her full eye contacts in. And she freaking zaps Kennedy and Anya. Yeah, she sucks. She sucks their power. Um, from them and, uh, yeah, and it works. The portal opens and whoo, they better keep that portal open for a minute because Spike has only just gotten to, uh, where this demon is. How long does a portal stay open once you open it? I know. We don't know. We don't know. I guess it's until somebody goes through. That seemed to be the rule 
This was is the last time it was open. This is chaos. It's chaos. Uh, Spike has effectively chosen to battle this demon um, in front of a sign that says "Beware of Dog." Um, so that's 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 fun. I feel like it's you know really a setting Spike would like you know just like the back alley where he's like, "Beware of Dog. The dog is me." <laughs> Rough. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, before we get uh, the fight. We go back again to the cave where Buffy is. And this is where, I mean, whatever. I, I don't even know if we need to talk about the details here because we've sort of said it. But, like, she she does this thing, which is why I think they wrote this scene thinking that this was a really simple way to give us, like, fucking girls rule, boys drool, and they make it all about gender in this exchange. You guys, you're right. just men. You're just the men that did this to her, whoever that girl was before she was the first slayer. And they're like, you don't understand. And she says, no, you don't understand. You violated that girl and made her kill for you because you're weak, you're pathetic, and you obviously have nothing to show me. Oh, Buffy, you fool. <sighs> This is not it. This is not it, kids. This is, and turns out that she's wrong. They actually do really, definitely, they have something to show her. They, they, have, yeah. they have something to show her. Uh, but before we see that, um, let's go to this fucking killing. That is awful. Yeah. Spike seems uh, to be full of life. I mean, I understand how why he's full of life. He's like, you know, he's just been told, be bad, be as bad as you can be. And so he's just leaning in hard and he's got his jacket on and he's vamped the fuck out. We haven't seen Spike vamped out in a while like this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And he snaps the demon's neck and then lights his cigarette off of the demon's tusk. Huh, uh-huh. Just gonna read, I'm just gonna read the rest of what Mac wrote about this, if that's okay with you. Sure, sure. Uh, here's the orc that is portaled in from Africa. Uh, an insulting visual stereotype. Spike, charming, well-dressed, quippy, and polished in his chaos, while the orc is lumbering, only grunting, growling, and dressed mostly in muscles. At the end of the fight, we get the truest form of what Colonial Spike does best. He snaps the neck of the orc with ease and relish and then uses its dead body to light a celebratory cigarette and in parentheses, Max says, this is the second time the body of a POC character is mishandled inside of one episode. Uh, yikes, he succeeds where the Scoobies failed and killed the African savage. Um, you know, there's, there's, that's, that's just it. Mac, uh, Max notes on this episode, clearly so, so good that like, I'm just reading them verbatim seems like the choice. Oh, but don't worry. Everything's totally chill in the caves where Buffy has now snapped the staffs oh, of these men. Oh, no. That's oh. the answer. She's she's broken their staffs and um, they say, we offered you power. And she says, tell me something I don't know. And they say. And then the dude is like, OK, I will. And puts his hand on her face. And Buffy sees something that is not yet revealed to us. But it's not yet revealed to us. But inside, I just had this feeling that sounded like the start of Shania Twain's. Yeah. Okay. So back, back at home, sweet home, uh, Buffy materializes from the portal. Everyone looking very roughed up, breathing heavily in the aftermath. Willow 
finds Kennedy, uh, who she sucked the life out of, and says, uh, sorry about that. So sorry. You were the most powerful person nearby. Interesting that the other person she opted to zap there was Anya. Yeah. So yeah. She was like, I absorbed all of Kennedy's strength and all of Anya's uh, fiscal sensibilities <laughs> uh, to diversify my portal folio. Wow. Wow, Jenny. Uh, thank you. Uh, and, and Willow says, that's how it works. That's how I work. And Kennedy's like, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow yeah kennedy claiming willow's bedroom all for herself (laughs) where will willow sleep there's no floor space left yeah and this is important because kennedy has been very very willy-nilly about magic since the jump and willow has been trying to fucking tell her that it's a Mm. big fucking deal and like it really took this to actually yeah. illustrate to Kennedy that like this is not a joke, this is not small, this is big, and it's hard, and it's scary. And so like you know if you if if you like me at my dark willow, if you like me at my how does that meme go? I got it. If go. you can't yeah. handle me at my dark willow, you don't deserve me at my bucket hat willow. Uh, honors willow. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we go into Buffy's room. Probably that's where Willow's going to sleep tonight. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of space in there. Uh, and They'll do whatever the move is called salad where to- two spoons face each tongue. other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so um, Buffy's like, thanks for bringing me back again. And Willow's like, it's what I do. Buffy says, I was hard on you guys today. And everyone's like, you think? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and then she she basically is like, I think I made a mistake because the men I met um, offered me they offered me more power, but I didn't like the loophole. And I don't think we're going to be OK because they sh- actually showed me. Uh, I think the first slayer is right. Oh, you think Sanaya might have you think uh-huh. Sanaya might have you. Oh, okay. You think Sanaya might have actually had a fucking point. OK. OK. Um, the power that we have isn't enough. And then Willow says, what did they show you? Oh, Lord. Oh, my goodness. Oh, heavens. Kristen, what guitar I've been waiting solo for this moment. Should I be playing over this moment? Because there's so many. Well, there's a scene in Gremlins 2 <laughs> where all of the gremlins converge. Uh, on the first floor of this skyscraper that they've sort of taken over. And they do a big song and dance number to New York, New York. And that's what that's and what we're... this scene reminds me a lot of that. Yep, okay. How long do you think it took Camden Toy to film <laughs> enough movement, like enough single shots for them to put all of them together? I mean, obviously, there's got to be some co- copy pasty stuff going on, but like. There's thousands. When a person plays their character and their character's twin, they get paid more, right? Oh, I don't know. Well, if they do, I don't know either. But if they're getting paid more to play a second role, then (laughs) counterpoint. Did Camden Toy get paid for 1,000 Turricons? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is a great question. 
Actors are generally paid for their time, not by the role. Oh, oh, God. So sorry to Camden Toy, but mostly sorry to help me with her name, Orphan Black. What's her fucking name? Oh, uh, Tatiana Maslany and um, also Nina Dobrev on Vampire Diaries playing many doppelganger versions of herself. Yeah. um, All right. Well, speaking of many Turacons... I don't know how to get from that to the sexual tension awards. Um, well, Kristen, they look like they're kind of stretching uh-huh. and getting ready to get limber. Okay. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's always good to stretch out before you're about to engage in strenuous activity like ending the world or like announcing the nominees for this week's sexual tension awards. Bam, 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 bam. Man, I feel like a Turrican. <laughs> well, hello and welcome back to this episode's installation of the Sexual Attention Awards. Today, we have four slots, eight noms, many will enter, only one will win, uh, and Here's who you have to choose from. Looking for a repeat. Looking to turn a single into a double. Looking to relive the magic just one more time for old time's sake. Mm-hmm. Meet me under the table. It's Anya and Spike. Hell yeah. That is his bone. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're very hot together and the pairing that exercises good manners together, exercises good together. <laughs> Thank you, Principal Wood. It's Buffy and Wood. Hell yeah. Uh, in slot number three, uh, it's important to engage in intimacy responsibly, and no one is more prepared than a man in an apron and oven mitts. Mm-hmm. It's Andrew and his big board. Oh, he loves his big board. <laughs> he does. He's very proud of it. <laughs> and in slot number four, my personal fave this episode, he simply can't get enough of his partner. It's Spike and getting beaten up. <laughs> he loves it. His number one fave. Oh, he just loves it. Also, a formal apology that we did not nominate Buffy and Brandied Pears uh, last episode. Truly a gross oversight. Yes, we, we are so sorry. How do they tell us who they want to win, Jenny? Oh, my gosh. Well, we can't do this without you. Uh, we need your votes, your delicious succulent votes cast them via our twitter poll find us on twitter at buffering cast the poll will be up for one week from the published date of this episode uh and you'll see your little slots there with all the noms nestled therein peas and pods uh and all you have to do is click on the one you like the best Mm -hmm. to keep our beautiful democracy going yeah yeah all right Well, Jenny, we did it. We did it again. We said we were going to stop doing it last time, but we haven't stopped doing it. Uh, We (laughs) did get it done, though. We did. Uh, I dare say we did at that. (laughs) 
I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not getting it done with Buffy, uh, I'm usually getting it done with writing and recording music. Uh, in fact, my brand new EP, It's Dangerous to Go Alone, just came out last Friday. It's a collection of songs inspired by video games. You can find the EP on Bandcamp or your favorite digital music platform. You can give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Young says like, oh, Jenny, I listen to your EP. It's very cool. And you're a cool guy. Yay. And uh, you can also hang out with me uh, for live streams on my Twitch channel on pretty much a weekly basis. Come on down. I'm Kristen Russo. And as of this recording, I have not been offered an advance. Listen to the album Jenny Speaks of. So we're in a fight, but that's okay. We've overcome oh worse. <laughs> so uh, when I'm not getting it done with Buffy, I am, well, the month is June, folks. So I am real busy over here because it is Pride <laughs> Month. Um, and I speak to workplaces all year round. But June, of course, is real busy for me. Um, I speak to workplaces about being an ally in the workplace. I also speak to workplaces just to help parents who are in the workplace, uh, teaching them how to be awesome to their kids. I just finished watching a show. I just, this is nothing to do with me, but I just finished watching <laughs> a, a, a show called Heartstopper. I'm a little behind. Um, I know a lot of you probably have already seen it, but if you haven't, it's it's a Netflix original. Um, and it's, I don't know that a queer show has ever made me feel happier. It is so joyful and so beautiful. And so if you're looking for something to just like bring you joy in this month of June, please go and watch it. Um, you can also follow me. I, I did tweet once or twice about it, but not a lot because I was too busy crying uh, tears of joy. Um, but you can follow me on Twitter or on Instagram at Kristen Nolene uh, or go to my website, KristenNolene.com to learn about the work that I do with LGBTQ communities. The spelling is K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. Or you can drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. You can support us if you want. We would love to have your support. Uh, you can find all of this information at this website. We keep saying BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com. Uh, we have a pretty active Patreon where this month we are starting. We have started uh, uh, one podcast already. Uh, LaToya Ferguson and I covering the eight-episode Netflix series First Kill about a vampire and a monster hunter who are both girls, really gay, falling in love. Uh, and Jenny and I will begin watching Yellow Jackets, doing a rewatch of Yellow Jackets and doing a little mini pod uh, as well. All of that happening in Patreon. So Patreon this summer is just full of full of good stuff. Hell yes. This episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen Youngs, and Alba Daza with support from our consultant, Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by John Mark Nelson. And till next time. Ah, Man, I feel like a werewolf. <laughs> it's tough at the front. It's lonely in the cockpit. I'm the chosen one. Doesn't mean I want it, but that's where I'm stuck. 
just trying to get it done It's not what I want Hurting people's feelings I try to make them strong Instead I send them reeling It's the end of the world I'm just trying to get it done Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.